Welcome to the CEO Life Insights Podcast. Join us to uncover firsthand stories and insights from top executives, entrepreneurs, and disruptors. Gain unparalleled access to the pivotal moments that have sculpted their personal and professional success. Skip, how are you, man? I'm super. How are you doing, Josh? Uh, so good. Thank you so much for making time. And thank you so much for uh, hosting our holiday party at your amazing brick and mortar winery shop, <laughs> whatever the right nomenclature there is for that. But man, we had a blast. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a tasting room. Uh, it's a tasting room, a Absolutely. winery and tasting room, uh, yeah. urban winery, because it's not uh, adjacent to any any. Um, uh, great minds. Man, it was awesome. It's beautiful. We can't Thanks. wait to do do a lot more of that. But Skip, tell us about you, man. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, what do you get excited about? Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, gosh, I, I, uh, I, I'm I one of those people that's very high energy. So I don't need to sleep as much as most. I get a lot more out of every day. I'm an athlete. I've played tennis my entire life since I was 12. Wow. Um, I play pickleball when I'm in town. I play probably would play pickleball five six times a week if I was in town. I play competitively. Oh, wow. uh, but I uh, uh, I'm a golfer. Uh, I love I love learning. I love making money. Mm. I'm a very I've been an entrepreneur since a child. What was the first thing you ever did? What was your first? The first thing I ever did was uh, I wanted to join the caravan with the people that take little kids around in a van and drop them off in the corner and sell newspapers or mag magazines. Uh -huh. And my dad said, no, nah, you're not going to do that. So we went and we bought some brass stencils mm -hmm. and we, we, uh, this was my best first sales lesson. We, I would paint people's addresses on their curb. Oh, yep. neighborhood. Yep. So I would walk and I would knock on the door and, Generally, the woman would answer I'd do after I was school before her husband was home. And she'd say, oh, I um, I, I don't have a dollar. And I go, oh, ma'am, everybody has a drawer in the kitchen that has a hundred pennies. I'll count them for you. <laughs> um, and she said, well, I need to wait till my my husband's home. And I said, I'll what time's the year? I'll come back. And I said, you know, Mr. Smith has it across the street. It's only a dollar. I mean, of course, this was in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. 1960s, wrong before you were born so um that was a good lesson for me because i and then i had a paper route had a huge paper route i won some contests i was always very competitive uh as a teenager i had a a, a, a aircraft uh detailing company so i washed washed and waxed i should say kids that i hired washed and waxed um uh, airplanes at the airport for private uh, charter yeah. companies so I've done all kinds of things like that. I've always, always been an entrepreneur. Where were you? Uh, where were you raised? What, what, what part of the country were you in? I was raised in the desert, uh, Palm Springs area, Peter City. Very yep. cool. And, and I went to UC Irvine as an undergrad, where I um, was president of the of the students. Yeah. And then I went to Loyola Law School of LA, where I was also SBA president. Um, I like to have a leadership role where I am. Yeah. And. Um, I've ah, been practicing law since 91. Business wow. attorney. I've wow. run several significant family offices, which means that I handle all of the affairs of a wealthy family. Mm. I call it pets to jets. Um, wow. And so I've done that with two big families. And so what are you doing now? Tell us about what you're doing now and 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 what excites you even about being part of CEO Life related to that. So 
I, um, we somewhere when I retired the first time, I we invested in a wine manufacturing facility, which is called the Custom Crush Plant, mm -hmm. up in uh, Buellton, California, by Solvang. Okay. And um, it was a big, big facility with 120, 30 employees. There were seven of us limited partners. And the second year we were open, we said, "Well, can you make wines for us?" We we had we had spent some time in Napa, my wife and I. We loved right. wine, so. Anyway, we started making wine because it was recession in 09. We were able to buy grapes that normally would not be available, really mm. high quality grapes from Napa. Um, but people were not buying their allotted amount of these grapes. So we were able to get in there because we paid our bills. They kept selling to us. So we, wow. we, we, our first rating was by wine enthusiasts back before what we call um, rating inflation. We got a wow. 95, our first rating was a 95. So it sort of put us on the map and we distributed our wines throughout the country. Uh, we were in all of the public's markets with a brand mm -hmm. that I created. Uh, and then we opened this tasting room. This is where we sell our wine now. And we're, we bought a little building in a neighboring city called Vista. And we're in North San Diego County, as you know, but yeah. the viewers yeah. may not know. Um, and so we bought a little building downtown on Main Street there. And, on the corner, great corner, we've been, uh, um, we're in the process of turning that into our second winery and tasting room. Um, I'm, I'm married, my wife, Maureen, and I've been together. It'll be 30 years in June. We have two adult daughters, 25 and 27, living out on their own, pursuing their own dreams in life. And um, so we opened this winery and we opened on May 1st, 2019. So with just under a year later, on March 19th, Governor Newsom of California signed the stay-at-home order, which was going right. to take uh, effect on March 24th. Uh, we were not an essential business initially. Later, you may recall, he made wineries essential businesses. Right. <laughs> but that was later. So what we did is, the first thing we did is we, we, we went to the sign store, Alpha Graphics or something like that, and we had to make us a big band and said, essential products sold here so we turned our we self-declared that we were essential i love and it and i went to walmart's three or four walmart's every morning and purchased uh toilet paper and hand sanitizer we made hand sanitizer out of aloe and uh, alcohol yeah and so we sold those and we gave them to the homeless you know at that point in time we really no one really knew how covid was spread sure um but i was able to be outgoing because on April, no, February 29th of 2020, we'd gone to a wedding in Atlanta and I got COVID right oh, before COVID started. Wow. So I felt like Superman. I could go anywhere. <laughs> and uh, it was, it, it was great. So anyway, we had this business, we, we got through COVID and then we found out about this when we did PPP, the first one, we didn't qualify yep. for the second because we, our revenue actually increased. Yep. Then we, we found out about this program that was created in the CARES Act called the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. Yeah, yeah. And so that is where the government will return your withholding taxes um, if you kept your employees on payroll, W-2 employees in right. 2020 and 2021. And we found a tax law firm that handled it for us. They did a great job. And as an attorney, I called them up afterwards. They uh, charged a contingency fee and I was thrilled to pay it because it's found money. Sure. I called him up and I said, listen, can you get your office manager on the phone also? And I said, listen, I, I'm an attorney. Uh, I've been practicing since 91. I've been on a public board and, and the audit committee and I'm in a number of chambers of commerce. I said, well, how about I bring you, 
employers and we split these fees. And they were like, yes, because they're not out and about like we are. Right? Sure, they're they're sure. sitting there at their desk every day. So I started Coomber Consulting to focus on the ERTC. And um, just over two years later, I have 400 clients already. And it's been it's been phenomenal. It's been it's been and when you say fantastic. Are these, are these folks that you're the, are you doing ERT e e or what is it employee ERT with them? ERTC, yes. So that's so what the, the you do with the four hundred. That's what I have four hundred employers. So it's for profit businesses and um, nonprofits. Yeah. So we we uh, we have them all over the country. We're very very good at this. I'm very knowledgeable. There are, there can't be many people that know know anything more about it than than I do. Um, and I work with four different techs, you know, I, where I work oh. with different professionals. Once one of these clients uh, files for the claim and gets paid, is there still work you do with them? Or once it's done, it's done. And then. So here's the process. I, 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 I meet with the business owner or the CEO of the nonprofit and I educate them about the program. Mm -hmm. We do a, we do a zoom where I meet them in person. And they go, well, our CPA told us we didn't qualify. And I said, there's a reason. There are two different ways you can qualify. One is purely financial. Yep. And one involves a little bit of an analysis, the government yep. orders test. And I said, and here's why your CPA didn't think you qualify. But in fact, you do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to this tax law firm I work with. They're going to ask you some questions about how you were impacted. They're going to prepare a qualification memo, which is a legal document that should the IRS ever ask questions, it'll be presented. They'll, sure. they'll represent you for free. They give an audit guarantee. Yep. They'll represent you for free. Uh, then they after the qualification memo, they calculate how much you're entitled to. They prepare the amended returns, the 941Xs. They sign them. Right. They deliver them to the person who signs at the at the employer. Um, and then they, they, put, they turn them into the IRS, and then they monitor the progress. Unfortunately, it, it can be as long as a year and a half to receive the money. Gotcha. And that's a big bone of contention. Congress is very unhappy about that delay. Mm. But um, we monitor it. And then ultimately, I'll be providing other consulting services to these um, employers in the future, legal services, insurance services, things like that. But right now, um, the getting them into the ERTC is very important. Uh, it's very lucrative for them, as you know, up to $26,000 per W-2 yep. employee. And um, and April 15th, 19.2% of that goes away when 2020, which represents up to 5,000 per employee, the statute of limits run, limitations runs. So but we're trying April to get them in here. Yeah, April 15th will be the wow. last day you can file for 2020. You still That's still a leave 21,000 per W-2 employee in 2021. Yep. But but who wants to give away one-fifth? One what so you we're working hard. I've read a lot of articles, and I'm sure folks that are listening would would wonder too. Like, you know that the the IRS is cracking down, and they're coming back after all these people have applied for it. Is that because people have been nefarious with it? They haven't done their due diligence, or you know what? what educate us a little bit on because I know there's a lot of scare yeah. tactics right now on on that stuff. So three weeks ago, I was speaking in an investment conference, which I do generally eight times a year around the country, and I was introduced to the former IRS commissioner. Charles Reddick. Mm. He is the IRS commissioner that implemented the ERTC. Okay. So I got to get from the horse's mouth, the position of the IRS. The first thing I asked him is, why 
when you amended the 941Xs to account for the ERTC, I'm curious why you didn't put in more questions. How did they qualify? Why? And he said, our charge from the, from the Congress was to distribute this money to legitimate businesses with yeah. as little bit of bureaucratic interference as possible. And so we did, we chose not to do that. I said, well, what is the issue with the IRS right now? Why did they declare that moratorium on September 14th? He goes, because they're getting a ton of totally fake applications, right. non-existent business, non-existent employees. And they're trying to figure out how mm -hmm. to sort out right. sort out those businesses. And you may have read last week, they rejected 20,000. Mm. Now that's a pretty round number. And clearly it was to send a message to people. Right. So they've stopped processing new applications until after the first of the year. I asked Commissioner Redding, what, uh, what, what do you, um, when do you think they'll start up? And he goes, well, I think it has to be early January because they've got, they're getting a lot of pressure from Congress and businesses are going out of business waiting for this money. Wow. Um, and, and of course we have clients that have received six and $7 million. So it's, it's, right it's now, real money. Right now, if a, if a business wanted to apply for it, they couldn't. Is that what you're saying? Ah, they, they're not processing. Good, great question. They're not processing new applications, but they are accepting them. So we are using this opportunity to get our clients in there when yeah. the line is still relatively short because a lot of people are interpreting it the way you yeah. said it yeah. and thinking that they're not accepting them. They are accepting them. We're sending them in every single day. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Man, it's so cool. I know that we had, you know, I owned and still do uh, two businesses during that time. So I'll mm -hmm. make sure to connect uh, some of my guys to you uh, that are running those for me now. Um, Thanks. Well, but I mean, it's, it's a huge opportunity for businesses to rebound, redeploy capital um, and, and, yeah. and their businesses again. Yeah. Now, some people are told by their CPAs that, that it's going to be a red flag for the IRS. Mm -hmm. You're going to get audited. The audit rate on these has been remarkably low. They have only been auditing to find out to confirm it's a legitimate exactly. business. Yeah. And and so one tax law firm I work with has crossed us over 12,000 wow. employers. They've only had four audits mm. in two years. The typical uh, annual audit rate of employers is like one to 3%. Yeah. So that's yeah. significantly less than that. We don't, and that's what I asked Commissioner Reddick. I go, are there going to be a lot of audits? And he goes, not if it's a legitimate business. I said, well, what about the government orders test? That Which is, the ERTC said, Congress wrote, an employer qualifies if its operations were impacted, were suspended permanently or temporarily by a legitimate government order. Well, there's no threshold. Right. And so he said, Skip, as you said, there's no threshold. We're not interested in clawing back money we've given to legitimate businesses that, right. that believe they qualified under the government orders test. We're not going to split hairs over that. Right, right, right. So um, so uh, we, we're not worried about that. And yeah. our clients all are working, are being advised by a tax attorney. So there could be no mens rea, no bad mental thought that maybe they right. were committing fraud. That's not on the table. Yeah. And, and and they get, a, they get a free audit guarantee. So very cool. Very cool. We have very cool. happy, happy clients. I bet you do. I bet you do. Let me ask this one question and we'll kind of close with this. We always try to get one thing we can learn from you, not necessarily yeah. about business, but about business in general and all the years and, and things that you've done. Give us a moment, one of those aha moments or uh, life lessons that you said. I remember when that happened and that was a very influential and significant in my life in the way I thought about business. Life. Well, let me tell you, start off with advice. 
Sure. So now I'm 62. So I've been around a long time. I've worked with, I've run a number of businesses like you have. Um, there are two books that I recommend everyone read. Mm. One is very old fashioned, but it's like the nuts and bolts of, of being a good human, a good business person. That's how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. I'm sure you've read it. Read it. Um, fantastic book. I read it every two years, probably to remind yeah. myself yeah. to be, to be, uh, Hearty in my approbation and lavish in my praise and sincere, mm. you know, to be interested is to be interested. Yeah. Those, yeah. those lessons. The second book is called The um, the uh, Richest Man in Babylon. It's an 85-page oh, book. One of my favorite books. And, and if I had read that when I was younger, my life would be different. Mm. I would have accumulated much more wealth than I have. That is something. It's 85 pages. Anyone can read Amazing. that in, in a couple of hours. So, um, you know... I had a mentor and I've always sought out mentors. I had some really great mentors. Um, one of them told me one day, he goes, I said, I said something negative about a tennis player. We were tennis players watching tennis. He goes, Skip, let me tell you, let me give you some advice here. Never say anything bad about anybody. There's no upside to it. Mm -hmm. He goes, you could be in another country and you talking negatively about someone and their, their brother-in-law sitting behind you. He goes, there's just no benefit to it. So I've worked very hard in my life to try to remind myself not to say negative things. And, and as we know, saying negative things is a negative thought process. Right. You and I both live a positive yeah. uh, thought process. That's right. I love that, man. We were just, um, I was just at a, a speaking on Sunday and I, and I, and I talked about, I, I was reading on this, this psychology article on the difference between triggers and glimmers and mm -hmm. triggers people, are, it's a new, it's a very big word now, right? I'm triggered, blah, blah, blah. Little woke. Yeah. Yeah. Triggers are really, it is a psychological term of something from your past. And right. I got triggered by that. And the article <laughs> talked about glimmers are uh, uh, visions of the future. Triggers mm -hmm. are experiences from the past. And are you going to be a person that lives triggered or glimmered? And because there's always a glimmer, there's a hope, there's a vision, yeah. there's a possibility, um, or there's a, well, that happened to me once. So therefore, and you're like, yeah. yeah, but what if something new could happen? And so I'll finish out our talk today just by saying, Skip, thank you for the work you're doing with, with you know, uh, small businesses, medium-sized businesses to redeploy capital, get businesses going again. Thank you for the life lesson and reminder. Nothing is valued. Nothing is gained with negativity. Um, and may we all be people that have glimmers of a great future of transforming lives, making the world better. And that's the kind of people we want to be. So thank you, man. Thanks for taking time to chat with me. May I say one final please, thing please. about CEO life? Yes, please. When I saw the video on Instagram or something like that, I go, well, that might be because I really, why do I speak at eight investment conferences a year? I already know a lot about investments. I've been doing this forever. Sure. It's because I go meet really smart, experienced, mm. successful people. Mm. And I thought, you know, CEO life has the chance of being that. Now I'm I'm a relatively new member. I've only been to two events, but you have exceeded my expectations exponentially. Mm. I have met some really fine, mm. sincere people. And That's they weren't cool. all experienced CEOs. There, there was a young man who's a new starting new consultant, but he, he was fascinated to talk with me and ask questions cool. and get some guidance from me. 
and and then I met a bunch of other people that had fantastic. But but the point is, we all it, it you have afforded us the opportunity to get together and meet new like-minded or maybe not like-minded, yeah. but we're all like-minded in that we're trying to be successful. That's right. So That's thank right. you for that. Thank you, Skip. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for being a part of our community. Um, we know that the, the best days are ahead and we have a glimmer of a future of 50,000 members around the world just making each other's lives better. So thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You'll get there. Appreciate it. Thank you, man.